Hello there, this is Coden. And this is Cassia. Welcome to the Ebon Hawk, a podcast where we discuss Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, as well as everything Star Wars. Today, we'll be talking about the one and only Bastila Shan from the first Knights of the Old Republic game, and how we imagined she would be realized on screen. This is episode 22, and this is where the fun begins. a few viewer questions we thought we could just answer them so the first comes from alien 236 how do you think the final season of the clone wars was changed from its original conceptions by the rebels series and sequel trilogy and for me i don't think the sequel trilogy had as much of an impact on clone wars other than there was a little bit of a a nod to luke's march on crate Kind of a parallel with Anakin marching up to the droid army. I saw that as kind of allusion to that moment in The Last Jedi. But I kind of wish we lived in a world where the Clone Wars finished before the Rebels cartoon started. It kind of takes out the stakes because you know all these characters like Rex and Ahsoka survive. I would have rather it was a mystery but if anything, I don't think they let anything hold them back when they were creating the Siege of Mandalore. There was an Ahsoka novel. They didn't let it hold them back from creating stronger moments than what was in the in the novel. I'd have to say that like Star Wars Rebels and the sequel trilogy had minimal impact with Clone Wars. I think the only thing that really were locked down is kind of what you're saying is that Ahsoka survived Order 66 and that Darth Maul was going to die at the hands of Obi-Wan later down the line. And I think that if if Star Wars Rebels hadn't touched on that point, then Darth Maul's death could have been handled in Clone Wars. And you know, maybe, maybe not, it would have fit better there. You know, I don't think that anything was like narratively roadblocked because of Star Wars Rebels and the sequel trilogy releasing after excuse me, releasing before the ending of Clone Wars. Star Wars underscore negotiations asks, favorite lightsaber design? And I would probably say my favorite three hilts are Count Dooku's and Mace Windu's purple lightsaber and Anakin Skywalker's, you know, his, his lightsaber. And then in KOTOR, I would probably say... Revan's Red Blade just has a very nice ergonomic design. It reminds me of Qui-Gon's. If I had to choose one in, in the Knights of the Old Republic, I'd be like, give me that one. Yeah, I think my my answer is a bit more technical because I like I like the look and style of the more Garaflex hilts like uh, Anakin's or Obi-Wan's Redeemer lightsaber, so his, his later generation lightsaber. But I think functionally, I prefer a more symmetrical hilt, so one that doesn't have like the large box on the side. 
for actual use because things like little details like that get in the way of actually using the lightsaber, which is like, I like the style of the Kauntuku hilt, but it's very distracting when in actual use to have to manage a curved hilt. Unless you know what you're doing with the fencing style of blade. If you're not moving the hilt in your hand a lot, I think the curved hilt is really solid to just stay in place. But if you are flourishing a little bit, then it does kind of get in the way. This is pretty quick, oh, but let's take a let's take a quick break and then we'll uh, move on to our topic of Basla Shan. of Skywalker novelization came out, I saw this interview and it kind of brought to mind Bastila Shan, so I thought I would just read this question from StarWars.com and answered by the author Ray Carson. So StarWars.com, they asked, now to the other side of the coin, Kylo Ren, one of the great things about your novel is how you explore Kylo's psyche, what makes him such a fascinating villain. Ray Carson answers, one of the great things about fiction, particularly science fiction and fantasy, is that we can take real-world issues and exaggerate them to tremendous effect. Kylo Ren is a radicalized youth, and like radicalized youth in our world, he makes destructive decisions. But of course, everything is magnified times a thousand because he's radicalized through the Force by the most powerful dark Force users in the galaxy. Very few of us could withstand that kind of influence. And that kind of got me thinking, uh, particularly how she talks about taking real-world issues and exaggerating them to tremendous effect, connecting that to Bastila. Because in Knights of the Old Republic, I would say Bastila represents the highly gifted and kind of sheltered kid who is pushed by mentors and parents to achieve high standards. When that kid leaves that influence, they kind of don't know how to think for themselves. And then sometimes outside of that sheltered environment, they go through a phase. And Bastila Shan, I would say, she kind of goes through a dark side phase due to the Jedi Council's kind of upbringing. I would say that while Revan is the main character of Knights of the Old Republic 1, I would say that Bastila Shan is the emotional anchor of KOTOR. So, like, her journey is really entwined with the main character. We'll discuss it more as, as we go on. I think that I think that's right, where though though you're mainly following Revan, his his decisions are very much dictated by your personal like thoughts and feelings on like, what's going on with the story and just kind of your own personality. But uh Bastila kind of provides that that standard anchor of what should and what shouldn't to try and kind of guide you through some of those points and you know narratively in the game if you make certain decisions it kind of drives her to kind of question her own choices but for the most part she is kind of that that main point of reference as far as kind of like the morality of the story being told so kind of more background on her 
is she was born on Tal Ravan. Her father was a treasure hunter and uh, his wife was Helena. They were like a treasure hunting family. I, I kind of get the feeling that Bastila was a bit older when she joined the Jedi because she really remembers her parents and formed like significant attachments to them. So I would kind of say she's probably not as old as Anakin was, but I'm thinking just hearing her remember, I, I kind of have to think like she was probably like six or seven, you know, when she was given by her mother to the Jedi Enclave on Dantooine. That's a bit older for the spectrum for when the, the Jedi take younglings. I, I, Obi-Wan was also a little bit older when he was taken. Yeah, the different backgrounds between some of these main casts do kind of influence their kind of their upbringing with the Jedi Council. I think Basla's like pre-Jedi influence got her to the point where she was trusting the Jedi Council a lot with her upbringing. And it's similar with Obi-Wan Kenobi, where it's different with Anakin because of how much time and attention that like his mother gave him compared to the Jedi Council. But one thing that I think is interesting is her her father was a treasure hunter and he was his body is actually found on Tatooine by a star map. So maybe in the movie there could be maybe be that connection like Bastil is used to kind of travel as a Jedi because that's what her family was doing when she was young and she's used to looking for treasure because that's what her family does so that could be kind of a fun layer to add into a in, into a movie and I kind of get the sense that she became a Jedi Sentinel because of her background and Jedi Sentinels they're kind of more connected to like real world stuff at this time the consulars are very connected to the Force, and Jedi Guardians are much are very into fighting. And I would say that Sentinels kind of balance those out, and also kind of learn some real world, like real Star Wars world skills, like droids and all that. Lunar Sparks underscore Art asks, maybe could you tell us a bit about her life as a Jedi? Or maybe her time with Revan. So, one thing that's interesting about Bastla is if you look at the... There was a KOTOR RPG book that came out a few years ago. And I was looking at how one of the authors for Bastla Shan's character is she's mostly a Jedi Sentinel. But she had a few levels of, like, Jedi Consular. So... How that impacts the story is the Jedi Council ended up finding out she was gifted with battle meditation. So, like, I think what happened after that is, like, the Jedi Council kind of became her master. And I kind of get the feeling that the Council then is kind of dictated by a lot of, like, consulars who are kind of very strict about the Force. Because if, you, if you've read the Knights of the Old Republic comic... There was a Jedi, a Jedi enclave on Terrace. They were all consulars, and they had a vision that one of the Padawans that they were going to become knights. They had a vision that one of them was going to turn to the dark side. They didn't know which one it was, so then they just killed them all. So 
sometimes you're dealing with some weird, strict people there. Because Bastila, she's really trying to be the perfect Obi-Wan type of Jedi, but she's really so much more of an Anakin. And I think the Council's upbringing of her kind of impacted that a lot. Yeah, I think just the the idea of using her for her battle meditation, it, I think the, the Jedi Council really used her as a tool and didn't really use her much else other than being that piece of strategy that allowed them to get the upper hand of whatever they were dealing with at the time, whether it was Mandalorian Wars or the uh, battles after when, when they have the battle with Revan. But like she was used as a tool to bring up the Jedi's armies to gain the upper hand of whatever they were fighting at the time. And then she kind of became part of the strike team to capture Revan at the beginning of KOTOR 1. She was at that point separated from the Jedi Council because she was stranded with Revan and the rest of the team. You never really get an answer of how old she is supposed to be in comparison with Revan, like in the games. You get a little bit of a hint that she's at least 10 years younger than Revan and Malak in the Revan novel. She she would hear speeches by Malak to join the Mandalorian Wars, but when you kind of hear Bastila talk at first in Knights of the Old Republic, she's just kind of like spouting like pure dogma. So she didn't join the Mandalorian Wars. She sided with the Council. So I kind of see it like she was probably not in the same graduating classes like Revan and Malik. She's probably a bit younger than, than they were. And I kind of see it like if this were, if the Jedi Civil War was like the Clone Wars, I imagine that Anakin was like Bastila and Revan was General Grievous and their, their paths don't really cross until like, until their first meeting on Revan's flagship with the Jedi Strike Team. Because when that happens, they weren't expecting Malak to shoot on Revan's ship. And it kind of doesn't go into why Bastila saves him. But I think she was just trying to be like a true Jedi. Like it's not the Jedi way to let prisoners or people die. And like when she heals him, it creates a force bond between them. And it kind of impacts the galaxy forever. I would really not like it if the reason why Bastila saves him is because she just falls in love with him at first sight. I can't remember when Revan loses his memory of before or after the healing, but I think if you kind of Anakin's dilemma with Count Dooku when, when Count Dooku was at the mercy of Anakin and he had to make that choice of capture or kill, is that if Revan had lost his memory by the time Bastila got to him, then... Technically, he's not a political threat at that point, and the choice of saving him would have been done to just bring him back as a as a Jedi, and because at that point he's not the opposing influence that he previously was. I mean, I think the point of the Jedi Strike Team was to at least it was either to kill Revan or to like change his his side to to capture and try him probably, but then he had no memory and so at that point he's not you can't try somebody for a crime they don't know they commit i guess in the star wars world i don't know 
politics, who knows. I think uh, Revan was about to die on the flagship. She saved him, and then when she brought Revan back to Dantooine, it was more the Council's idea to mind-wipe Revan and create a new identity. And Bastila was probably, like, in the back of her head, like, going, like, that's kind of a... Unethical. Morally gray thing to suggest, but the Council's right, you know? Yeah. So... And then a year passes after that, uh, and Basila becomes the commander of the Endar Spire, the Hammerhead flagship, which is an iconic design that you also see in Rogue One. And Revan has a new identity at this point. He is an Ensign, and everything's fine until the Fire Nation attacks. No, I'm just kidding. It's Darth Bandon attacks. Darth Bandon is Malak's apprentice, and... Bastila gets away in an escape pod, but she hits the surface hard, and she's kind of disoriented, and, like, when she crashed, her lightsaber went out of her, went out of her hands, so she's like, where is it, where am I, did I crash land, where, uh, the Black Volkers gang are just like, ah, it's a Republic fighter, let's take her as a slave for the swoop race. The, the new Revan wins the swoop bike race and then saves her or she saves him. They they disagree on that. But when he, when he finds her, he's like, hey, I've had a vision about you. It's like, it was about you, like, fighting Darth Revan on a flagship. What does that mean? And she's, like, probably in her mind, like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. This isn't supposed to happen. So she just has to say, oh, it's like... The will of the forest, I don't know. We'll have to get to Dantooine as soon as possible to have the council figure this one out. So they get off Terrace and they go to the council and Revan and Bastila share a vision of ruins and the council says, you guys have a force bond. You guys should investigate those ruins and... Guy who's totally not Revan, you should train as a Jedi because we think that's a great idea. And you kind of get the sense on Dantooine that the Council and Bastila knows more than you do and they're not being entirely forthcoming. Well, and that's kind of going on throughout the whole game with uh, with Karth and Bastila where they're always, you always kind of have those little interruptions of, I have something on my mind that I'm uneasy about. And then you pro them about it and they're like, Nope, don't want to talk about Karth it. Karth doesn't mind. want to talk about it. But but then it's like, but Karth does want to talk about it. But Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a, I think it would be a fun trio, like Karth, Bastila, and Revan. Because I think there's respect there, but there's also like some fun drama for actors to explore. It, it allows really good depth to characters especially for those that don't know the story of KOTOR because as as you watch the three interact when you've got characters that have a lot more going on than what they're telling and showing it just allows for a better conversation and interaction between the characters but then they find the ruins and they run into an ancient droid and they end up finding out that Dantooine had a star map and then they learn that Tatooine, Kashyyyk Manon, and Korriban also have star maps. And 
this becomes their quest is to find each of these star maps so then they can find the source of the Star Forge, which is where Revan and Malik where Revan and Malik got their endless amounts of resources. And if they find where the Star Forge is and compromise it, I guess, Malik would be at a disadvantage. So that becomes their quest. And as as the player, you can choose to go to any any of those planets, but I think the canonical path is Tatooine, Kashyyyk, Manon, and Korriban. On Tatooine, it's kind of a small galaxy, is Bastila runs into her mom, and it goes well. It goes horribly. Because Bastila kind of resents her mom for separating her from her father. She got on a lot better with her dad. I kind of just wonder if Bastila's memories are kind of colored by her perception of her mom giving her away to the Jedi. Like, I wonder if she had a good relationship with her mom when she's growing up, but because she thought her mom gave her up, it kind of soured all of her memories. I think that's what we were talking about earlier was that though, though Bastila and some of these other characters were taken later, I think the reason why it worked for some Jedi was because of their earlier upbringing and the difference that the the Jedi showed compared to what the parents showed. And you know, for some Jedi, it works out really well. For some, it they're le- uh, they could be leaving a better life for a more a more straight um, straight lined life. Um, you know, Count Dooku is also the same where he remembers a very rich and like a powerful upbringing. So he always just kind of felt like he deserved better than what the Jedi provided him, which caused all sorts of problems through his Jedi training. Revan kind of was a little bit of a peacemaker and Helena just says, would you be able to help find your father's holocron, even though it's usually just, like, Sith and Jedi that use holocrons. I think they just meant, like, it's his personal, like, journal. Bastila and Revan find it at the site of the star map on Tatooine, and Revan is like, maybe give it to your mom, and kind of acts as a peacemaker between Helena and Bastila. And then it comes apparent that Helena is dying, and Bastil's like, of course you can have the holocron, and here's some credits, get well, and maybe you can stay in contact. And I would say that, coupled with, like, kind of a long quest, kind of helps progress, like, the canonical Revan and Bastila's relationship. Because, I mean, of course, like, Revan can be... uh a female or a male, uh, it's up to, like, player choice, but the canonical Revan was, was male, and I would say their relationship is probably one of the best written in Star Wars. Not like that every interaction they have in dialogue where Revan has the choice to, like, tease Bastila is my favorite, but just kind of like the, some of the, some of the things, just like- the more sincere, mature- uh, relationship dialogue. Yeah. Like, 
but some of it, I'm like, we can leave. You look like a Kinrath pup in 2003, you know? But I think, like, with a good, with a good writer, it, not that it's bad writing in Knights of the Old Republic 1, but, like, just kind of, like, for a, a mature cinematic experience, like, you can just beef it up a bit, and I think it, it would be, it would be great. Then Kashik and Manon, you find each of the star maps, and things go pretty swimmingly. But then, after you find the third star map and you're on the way to the fourth star map, Malik's kind of like, um, so I'm kind of seeing a pattern here. They went to Dantooine, they went to Tatooine, they went to Kashyyyk and Manon. If I'm a betting person, I'm guessing they're trying to find all the Starforge maps. And where is the last Starforge map? It's on this planet, Korriban. So I'm going to intercept them. And then on the Leviathan, it was uh, Carthonassi's admiral who ended up bombing Telos. Saul is kind of like, oh, you don't know what's coming. And Bastil is like, oh no, this is, how am I gonna get out of this one? Because whenever Revan kind of asks questions about Revan or like, why do we have a force bond? She's kind of like, ah, just gonna improvise, you know? Force shield my mind and improvise. But then while they're escaping the Leviathan, Saul tells Karth what's what's going on. And so Karth is mad. And then they run into Malik. And then Malik is like, well, this is an unexpected reunion. And Revan's like, reunion? What do you mean? And then it's revealed that Revan is Revan. And it's a, it's kind of a big revelation. So Revan and Karth can get off to the Ebon Hawk with all their crew. Bastila sacrifices herself. You you kind of don't know if she's dead, but then when you're talking to Jolie, my guess is that Malik is going to turn her to the dark side, and he's going to use her for her battle meditation, so you need to be ready for that. So then Revan finds the last star map on Korriban, then he finds the planet Lehan, where the Rakata Prime live. And then when you get to that temple, like the familiar song that you've heard starts playing its Bastila Shan's theme. And you can recognize it because it's the only it's the only thing that incorporates the force theme. So you hear it when you first have that first vision on Terrace when you wake up, when you crash land on Terrace, and then you hear it again on the temple and you're like why is Bastila Shan's theme playing? And then you see Bastila in a Sith uniform with a red lightsaber, and you fight her, and at first she kind of just wants to get rid of you, uh, so she can prove that she's dark side, but then she's like, you know what? Let's get rid of Malak. You can join me, and we can claim the, the throne of the Sith. That sounds kind of like... The Rise of Skywalker, but... Um, Quite familiar towards most Sith propositions. Darth Vader to Luke, Kylo to Rey, and... Maul to Ahsoka. At which point is quite overused. <laughs> it always seems like the dark side is more, I don't know, open to, like, getting new people, you know? But Vastila gives Revan that choice, and this is, like, a turning point in the game. You can either depending on the choice you make, you get the light side ending or the dark side ending. 
and depending on the, how that choice goes, it really alters the course of the game, and we'll cover more of Bastila's story and Revan's story after that choice in a future episode. Just to go ahead and close out, this has been Coden. This has been Cassia. You can find us on from our email, Podcast at gmail.com. You can email us your comments and questions, as well as you can tune in on the Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Codenbond, Thursday evenings, 6 or 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And then you can find us at Instagram at Podcast. Our podcast can be found anywhere that Anchor Podcasts are supported, as well as SoundCloud, and we're always grateful for subscriptions and reviews. And then keep in mind that though we're currently available on SoundCloud, that is going to be ending. So I made that announcement last episode. So just be aware that if the program stops updating, we have moved on to uh, other platforms and especially with iTunes the easiest thing to do is just research Evan Hawk podcast and you'll come up with a more updated link our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shorman he can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds and our transition music was composed by Christian Walker and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com this has been episode 22 of the Evan Hawk may the force be with you we'll be back soon bye for now Thank mm-hmm. you.